We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. So there's a few thoughts I'd like to begin to share with us. But the, the total, the sum total of it is, is wrapped up in what I've titled the Christ Conscious Believer. The Christ Conscious Believer. Uh, let's look at this, a, a couple of texts before I go into this. And let's, the first one will be 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1. I have two translations I'd like to read it in the entire thing. I'm reading the entire chapter. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1 to 16 in the NLT. And I, um, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, Paul is telling the Corinthian church, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I'll forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, he says, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom. I did this, Paul says, so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet, when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that, the, that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, eye has not seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us, hallelujah, that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit. That means now we can know God's thoughts. We have received God's spirit, not the spirit of this world. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. And they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. 16 on the last verse. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? Quoting Isaiah and quoting Job as well. But we understand these things. For we have the mind of Christ. And that's in the NLT. Pretty self-explanatory. The Passion Translation says, and I will pick up the Passion Translation from, um, from verse 12. From verse 12. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit, and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Someone, listen to this, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit for they make no sense to him. I read that again. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. The revelations of the spirit are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. Those who live in the spirit are able 
to evaluate all things and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. 16, for who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord well enough to become his counselor? And here's how the, the, the TPT ends it. It says, Christ has and we possess Christ's perception. 15, 16 again, who has known the mind of the Father to instruct him? And TPT says, the Passion Translation says, Christ has known the mind of the Father. And we know, we possess the perceptions of Christ. That's amazing. So Christ is the mind of the Father. And because we have the Spirit of God in Christ, we have Christ, we have the mind of the Father. We have Christ's perceptions and therefore we have access to the mind of the Father. We possess the mind of Christ. We possess the perceptions of Christ. We are able to and therefore we should perceive things the way Christ perceives them. Let this mind, Paul begins to write, which was in Christ, be in you. Let's look at that, let's look, let's look at that text. Philippians 2. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2. Let's pick it up from, from verse 5. Again, I'll read in the in the NLT and the TPT. Hallelujah. You must have the same attitude. Now we, we've just seen perceptions, right? You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God in the earth, in his form of flesh, he did not take, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. Paul is saying the, the Philippian church. And now that I am away, it is even more important Work hard to show that is, you know, uh, what's that one? Philippians 2, 12, uh, work out your salvation, right? With fear and trembling. Paul says, work hard to show the result of your salvation. Work hard to show the results, the result of your salvation. Not to work hard to attain salvation, but to show the result of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. 13, for God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Okay, that's the NLT. I'll go back and read it in the TPT. Philippians 2 verse 5. Consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. If there's somebody next to you, if you're alone, put your hand on your chest and tell yourself, let his mindset become your motivation. Again, I started by saying that our walk with God, the bulk of it is not philosophical, is not intellectual, is not academic. It's practical. And I'll come to that in a second. It's practical. I've said it over and over like a raving mad lunatic. The word of God is for application. The word of God is for to be applied. The word of God is not for to be crammed. It's not for to be recited. It's not for to be posted on Facebook. It's not for to be posted on WhatsApp. It's not for to be sent in e-blast. All of that is great, but that is not what the word of God is for because the word is the word regardless of whether or not you publish it. In the beginning was the word. The word published himself. The word introduced himself. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Nothing was made without him. Without him was nothing made that was made. In him, the word was life. So the word is the word before a man got the idea of documenting and publishing it. He's published himself. That's how the, the gospel was preached to Abraham. God preached the gospel to Abraham. A gospel that had not been written. A gospel that had not been written. A gospel that had not been documented was preached to Abraham. And the scripture, Galatians 3.8, and the scripture, foreseeing that God will justify the Gentiles by faith, 
the scripture preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. See, <laughs> in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then all who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. The scripture pre preached the gospel to Abraham. But when Abraham heard this gospel, there was nothing written. So it's, it's clearly not the written scripture that was preached to Abraham or that preached the gospel to Abraham. But he received the, the gospel because the gospel is a person that cannot be bound by the confines of what is written or not written. So by all means, speak about Jesus. By all means, share your perceptions. By all means, share your convictions. By all means, share your persuasions. By all means, look for somebody to preach the word to. But by more means, apply the word. The word is not profitable in your life if it's not been applied. There's no profit. There's no productivity. There's no growth. The word is for to be applied. So here's what Paul says. I mean, it doesn't sound any more practical than that, does it, in the TPT? He says, consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Say it again if you're alone. If you're with somebody, tell them, let his mindset become your motivation. In other words, if I'm going to do anything, let what I am doing be directly and expressly influenced by the mind of Christ. Be directly and inf expressly influenced by the perceptions of Christ. You know how we said in 1 Corinthians 2, in the TPT, verse 16, that we, who has known the mind of the Father to instruct him, and he says, Jesus has, Christ has, and we have, we possess his perception. So it's not your capacity to do, do the word that is in question, that is in focus. It is his capacity that has been established and your discipline, your deliberateness, your determination to work out the capacity of Jesus that is intrinsically implanted in you by virtue of receiving the Holy Spirit. Let me finish this. He existed, verse 6, Philippians 2, 6 in the TPT. He existed in the form of God Yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. It's talking still about Jesus. When he became human, he humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. This is the mindset that should become your motivation he became a human he humbled himself and became vulnerable choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient look at this next sentence he was a perfect example even in death a criminal's death by crucifixion because of that obedience verse 9 god exalted him and multiplied his greatness he has now been given the greatest of all names can I say here then, therefore, with no apology and with all authority, that the multiplicity of greatness, the multiplicity of the level, and I'm, talk, I'm not talking about that today, of a, of a son of God is directly proportional to the level of his obedience. Your sonship is a done deal. You are a son of God, you are eternally saved. But the measure to which you will excel in the earth, the measure to which you will be used of God, the measure to which you will exert kingdom influence upon the earth, the measure to which God will exalt you in the earth is directly proportional to your obedience. The same thing was said of Jesus. Because of Jesus having this mind, King James says, now God has, whereby God highly exalted him. So there's a level of authority and office that Jesus in the earth as a man did not possess. pre Perfect obedience. Because of that obedience, TPT says, God exalted him and multiplied him. He didn't become a son by obedience. But he was exalted by obedience. And multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus caused every need, every need to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God his Father. 12. My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you to now keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. 
Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. 13. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. You have the perceptions of Christ and therefore you have the attitude of Christ as the motivation for your own actions. And that means that he's our yardstick. He's our yardstick. He's our measuring line. He's our standard. He's our aspiration. And rather than try to excuse the times where we don't do stuff like him, we are doing everything we can to maximize our ability to respond exactly as Jesus will or not at all. To speak as he will or not at all. To process as he will or not at all. And you see like him, you think like him, you feel like him, you respond like him. And not stay there and we camp and, and especially when life throws the worst at us. Like the season that we're going through globally. We can quickly begin to abdicate and justify why we would do some things that are not Christ-like. But let the mindset of Jesus become your motivation. There's three words in that title. The Christ conscious believer. Of course, if you're following us and you're watching this, you know who Christ is. You know what Christ is. You know the significance of that in our life. You know him as the son of God. You know him as our savior, our deliverer, our reconciliation, the sacrifice, the propitiation, the high priest, and the one who enacted it and all of that. And our place now in him. You know him as our sufficiency. You know him as our preservative. You know him as our, our standard. You know him as our sufficiency. You know him as our righteousness. You know him as our justification. You, you have come hopefully. You know him as our healer and our health. You know him as our supplier and our riches in glory. You know him as our sufficiency. What does it therefore mean to be conscious? To be Christ conscious believer is a believer who is conscious of everything that is Christ. To be conscious simply means to be aware of and to respond to. To be aware of and to respond to. So a believer is essentially someone who has heard the message of Christ, has received him, is aware of the fullness of Christ and responds appropriately, proportionately to it. A believer, a Christ-conscious believer, is one who has Christ as their yardstick, as one whose life singular ambition is becoming Christ in the earth. Following the mind of Christ. It determines how you handle troubles. It determines how you handle life situations. It determines how you handle failings and failures and indiscretions. It determines how you handle sicknesses and diseases and perils and darkness and sores. It determines how you handle the word that God gives to you. It determines how you handle the people that God brings your way. It determines how you do your business in the earth, how you transact, how you it, it influences and informs your ethics, it influences your hygiene, it influences your comportment, your character, your attitude, your paradigm, everything about you, your expenditures, your time, your resources, everything is regulated within the framework of your Christ consciousness. So everything a believer does, therefore, is a direct outflow or a direct reflection, rather, of their level of Christ consciousness. Everything a believer does, everything a believer says, everything a believer um, expresses is a reflection of their Christ consciousness. Again, not their Christ believing, but their Christ consciousness their ability to be aware of and to respond to everything. A believer is not showing what they believe in what they do. They are showing their consciousness of what they believe. You're sitting down in a particular way. Your father enters the room. You are just your sitting. You are talking in a particular way. Your mom enters the room or your teacher enters the room, right? A classroom. Because you are conscious, you are aware of, and therefore you respond appropriately to so the life of a believer is a life that is meant to be aware or to live in awareness of and therefore in appropriate responsibility to Christ, to his perceptions of God, not your perceptions of God, to his standard, not your standard, 
to what he wills done, not what you will done. So a believer is one who is totally invested in the mind of Christ. A believer is one who the only motivation you need is that this pleases the Lord. And because this pleases the Lord, I have the capacity to do what pleases the Lord because it's the Lord who's working in me to will and do according to his pleasure. Did you hear what I just said? He's the one working in me, Philippians 2.13, right? That's the context I read. To boast to will, to desire out of me, to create desire out of me for his will and to do it in a way that pleases him. For it is God that works in you, both to will. God is working in you, stirring up a will in his direction and then facilitating the doing that his will births in his direction in a manner that pleases him. And all you need to do is allow the full outworking of that by being conscious of the workings of Christ. Otherwise, you miss it. Because when God is walking in you and creating a will, I wish I, 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 I'm going to stay with this. God is, Philippians 2.13, God is working in you both to will. God is working in you to create the will to please him. And then God is doing the will that he stirred up in you. In, because only God can please God. A man can please God. Only God can please God. So God comes into you, creates the kind of will that will please him. In other words, God plants his will in you, stirs the will up in you. And you still can do the will of God even when you know it. So God now begins to do the will that he stirred up in you because he knows exactly what pleases him. So he wills and does in you according to his pleasure. And all you're doing is working out what he is willing and what he's doing. The problem is, if God is willing and doing in you, it means that there are times where your body is not yours. And if you are not conscious of him in the person of Christ, you will fight against what God is willing and doing. I don't know if I'm making sense. You will stand against and oppose a leading of the Spirit of God in your life because you are not conscious of him. Remember Balaam and the donkey? Seeing the angel of the Lord, seeing Jesus on the way. Because that's who the, that's who the angel, that's who the donkey saw. He saw the messenger of God, pre-incarnate Jesus. And Balaam insisted on wanting to go along. So if you're not aware of it, it was Jacob that woke up and said, the Lord was in this place. And I did not know, and I knew it not. If you're not conscious of him, when he's working in you and staring you in certain directions, you'll resist him. And you make a mess of what he's trying to do. And you delay your process of manifestation in the earth. The earth, quoting Romans 8, there's, the earth is waiting for the manifestation. Earth groans with birth banks. All of these are, are, are indicators of the manifestation of the sons of God. But we will not be able to respond if we are not aware of and therefore able to respond appropriately to his will. And who is the will of God? Christ. Because he knows the mind of the Father. And we have his mind. We have his perceptions. And so Paul begins to beseech them, allow this mind be in you. Let his mindset be your motivation. So everything a believer does is a reflection of their level of Christ consciousness. Everything you do, everything you say, every, every behavior, every act, is a reflection of the degree of the Christ consciousness of the believer. Now, I, I put here, to be Christ conscious is to be aware of and to respond to, as that word means, to respond to his person, his nature, his message, and his system. That's Christ consciousness. Why is this necessary? Because this is the only path to spiritual maturity. You are only as mature spiritually as you are conscious of Christ, his person, Christ, his nature, Christ, his message, Christ, his system. Spiritual maturity cannot be achieved or attained outside a fullness of Christ consciousness. And Christ consciousness is not you walking around saying, ha, 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 <laughs> check me out. I'm conscious of Christ. 
I wake up in the morning, Christ. I wear my dress, Christ. I'm eating food, oh Christ. And that's not Christ consciousness. That's a Christ psyche. You're just saying Christ, 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 Christ. Like, like he's some new fad, you know what I mean? Like a new hobby. And that's what a lot of us are doing. A lot of Christocentric, as it were, believers are walking around just enjoying the idea of Christ. Enjoying the idea of being saved. Enjoying the idea of being a son. Enjoying the concept of being eternally redeemed. And enjoying the concept. Christ consciousness is not some mantra, not some psyche. It's not. It's a deliberate, deliberate, deliberate. It's, it's, when you load... Oh, okay, I just got an example once. I think it was... I think it was Mika that bought or was given an iPhone that was running Android. iPhone. When you press settings in the iPhone, it brings up Android. It was running Android. So basically, it was an iPhone clone. Problem now arises where you expect this iPhone to go on iTunes. And you press the store and it opens the Play Store. Rather than taking you to Apple's App Store, it begins to be a problem because you're expecting something that looks like something to deliver like what it looks like, but it's not delivering because it just looks like it. It is not it. And so we can be all full of hallelujah. But if your OS is not that that is running on the Christ consciousness, then whatever, no matter how hard you try to be an iPhone, you'll just be a glorified Android. Yeah. Oh, you're a smartphone. You can make calls. You can send texts. You can take pictures. So you would, yeah, yeah, the phone makes calls and phone does texts. But it's not living up to its full potential and therefore it's not benefiting the people around that it should benefit at the level to which it should benefit them because there is no Christ consciousness. You cannot walk or grow in God beyond your knowledge and your consciousness of Him. Listen, folks. To know God and this is where the Old Testament people are, are struggling. This is where religious people are struggling. To know God is to see Christ. To see Christ is to know God. To know God is to see Christ. To see Christ is to know God. Otherwise, forget it. All you have is intellectual. All you have is academic. All you have is philosophical. All you have is an idea and a concept of what being a believer is. Because you know, it's the new fad. It's the new in thing. Yeah, we're not religious. Ah, we are sons of God. We're walking in grace. Jesus paid it all. Can you hear how we sound? Because it's your consciousness that should. Philippians 2, right? TPT. Let the mindset of Christ become your motivation. Because we have the perception of Christ. Here's Jesus praying for his disciples. Longest recorded prayer in John 17. John 17 and verse 1. I think I need verse 3. John 17 from verse 1. I need verse 3, but let's go from verse 1. Jesus spoke these words in the New King James, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, talking about himself, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him, the son, Jesus was praying for himself in third person, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Please, before we go to verse 3, I said to you that to know God is to see Christ. To see Christ is to know God. Now go to verse 3. Jesus is praying. This is not anybody. Jesus says, Jesus defines eternal life. Jesus says, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Take verse 3 again. And this, this is Jesus praying, telling the Father in the hearing of his disciples. He says, and this is eternal life. Eternal life is this, that they may know you. 
the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I'm doing a study on knowing God in the person of Christ. I, at some point, I'm sure the Lord will allow me to, 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 to share that. And the word for know here is not even the word epignosis, it's the word ginosko. And it means, it, ginosko means to recognize and to perceive especially through personal experience of first-hand acquaintance, especially through personal experience on first-hand acquaintance, a thing or a person, to recognize and perceive, that is eternal life, to recognize and perceive Christ, in the God in the person of Christ, that is eternal life. Jesus is praying. He says, and this is eternal life. How does the NLT put this verse? I never checked. John 17, 3. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. To recognize and to perceive. So you see why the Jews could not receive eternal life, even though it came directly with them in mind as the first fruits to be partake, to first partakers of it, or supposedly they were supposed to be the first partakers of it. They lost out on that because they could not see. They could not know. They could not perceive. They could not recognize. So he passed on to us Gentiles. This is eternal life that they may know you. This is the way to, how, how does the Amplified put this? John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true supreme and sovereign God, and in the same manner, know Jesus as the Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God in the person of Christ. To know God is to see Christ. To see Christ is to know God. Outside of that is nothing. Outside of that is nothing. It's an iPhone running Android. Which doesn't make it an iPhone, you see what I mean? It makes it some wannabe phone given a false experience. To know God is to see Christ. To see Christ is to know God. Look at Ephesians 1 and 16 to 20. Paul, of course, this is one of Paul's Prayers, one of the Pauline prayers. Paul is praying and he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. May give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge wisdom and revelation are given in or concerning the knowledge of him and that's why the word knowledge changes to epignosis which means to also recognize but to recognize firsthand recognize by engagement recognize by illumination in the knowledge of him to recognize by relationship the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. And the word know goes back, it changes again, it becomes another word. It becomes the word eidon in the Greek or oida, which means to, to perceive or to see, to see in order to perceive, which means to know pretty much. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the, the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. To know God is to see Christ. To see Christ is to know God. I'll give you a couple more scriptures before I move on to my next point. Ephesians 4 and 13. To know God is to see Christ. To see Christ is to know God. Ephesians 4 and 13. Paul is talking about he that, um, that ascended. But what is it that he ascended if he didn't first descend? And he that ascended, ascended and gave gifts to men. And it goes uh, apostles, pastors, uh, apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And for the, for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting, for perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry 13, which is where I'm going to start. Till we all come to the knowledge of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and till we all come to the unity of the knowledge. 
Because, you see, we must see Jesus the same way. We must come to unity in our understanding of doctrine. We must come to unity in our understanding of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Because spiritual maturity is directly proportional to the knowledge of God in the person of Christ. Christ consciousness. Philippians 3 and 8. I'm just trying to lay in my, my introduction, really. Philippians 3 and 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge. Can you see that? Let's see, let's see in the NLT. Yes, everything else is worthless, Paul says, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What are you pursuing if you don't know Jesus? Who are you pursuing? What pursuit in life is there besides knowing him, seeing him, such as to know God? Nothing else, nothing else can be compared to it. To the infinite, 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 Americans say infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, Paul says, I have discarded everything else. Counting it all as garbage. King James, I believe, says dung, right? So that I could gain Christ. You see, when he talks about gaining Christ, he's not talking about gaining Christ as per salvation because obviously this is a saved son of God that is saying this. He's not gaining Christ as though walking your way or losing everything in order to become born again. No, but losing everything and counting everything else as, as garbage in order to comprehend or to apprehend, he says, that for which you have been apprehended. To apprehend, to maximize the reality of your Christness. That's what, that's what it means to attain Christ. Verse 9 again. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. So that I could gain Christ. And become one with him. He goes on to say, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And see verse 10, which is the emphasis. He then says in the NLT, King James says that I may know him and the power. NLT says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Paul says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Everything else is garbage. Everything else is dung. Everything else is, is a pursuit in vanity, a pursuit in, in, in futility, because he's all there is to know. Christ is all there is to know. To see Christ and to grasp him and to walk in the consciousness of him and to walk in the perceptions of him because he's the perceptions of the Father. To walk in the mindset of him is to know the fullness of God and embrace that and therefore to bring that to bear. To bring the weight of that to bear in your life. That's when believing becomes sweet. That's when you can decree a thing and you stand on it. Not because you said it. Not just because it's real, because it's real whether you say it or not. But because you have come into the place where you cannot be shaken. Because you are conscious of it. You will never excuse another thing in your life. The day that you come into the fullness of consciousness of who. No, you cannot. Somebody comes to, I will get there. I'm just setting the introduction. You will not excuse another thing again in your life. No matter what life throws at you. You will confront what life throws at you. Against the backdrop of your Christ consciousness. You will never again turn down the volume of your life for a detractor. 
Turn down the volume of your life for a sickness. Slow down for something that's wrecking your body. Slow down for something that is affecting your bank account. Slow down because business is not coming together and you abdicate and you and you switch and there's there's something ravaging the earth or there's a difficulty in your life and well, hello, we are pressed. Second Corinthians 4, but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Bearing in our marks, our body, the marks of Christ. But then the same person who says that is the same person that says earlier on in Romans, I am convinced that in all these things, we are more than conquerors. It takes Christ consciousness. It doesn't take motivational speech. What you need, dear son of God, is not motivational speech. You need knowledge of Christ and that causes you to become aware and therefore to respond appropriately to him. That's when you begin to enjoy the benefits of the cross. That's when you begin to enjoy the joy of salvation. The joy of salvation. Not the fear of salvation. Not the bondage of salvation. You have not received again the spirit of bondage again to fear, Paul says in Galatians, but the spirit of of adoption by which we cry, Abba Father, therefore walk in the liberty for which Christ set you free and do not be yoked again, bound again to the yoke of slavery. You come into the joy of salvation once you latch on to Christ consciousness. Christ consciousness, being aware of and responding to. Christ is all there is to know. To come into the consciousness of Christ to never be disadvantaged again in your life. But the average believer today wants motivational speaking. Somebody to excite you and make you feel good. Come on. Come on. It doesn't last. Because that's tickling the realms of your sensuality. That's tickling the realms of your emotions and they are fickle. Tickling the, the realms of your sentiments. Tickling the realm of your mind. But Christ's consciousness sits in your spirit. Then it is downloaded to your mind. And then you can take on whatever life throws at you. You are joyful because full joyfulness is not a function of what's in your bank account. Joyfulness is not a function of how you feel. It's not a function of whether you've eaten or not. Imagine, remember when Nehemiah began to speak to them in Nehemiah chapter 8 with, with all the opposition that was going on. From, from verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in the front of the water gate and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. Hey, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So, so Ezra brought the, the priest. Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday, six hours, before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood Methatiah, Shema, Ananiah, Orijah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And at his left hand, Padiah, Mishael, Mil Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Serebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatiah, Hodijah, Messiah, Kelitha, Azariah, Josabed, Hanan, Paliah, and the Levite helped the people to understand the law. They helped the people to understand the law. Now, you would think that when they said they helped the people to understand the law, they were helping them and saying, you know what, when he says you should not wear polyester and satin, this is what it means. For example, this is polyester for and then also this is satin you cannot mix the two of them you think that's what they were doing wait and see so they read distinctly from the book and the people stood their place eight so they read distinctly from the book in the law of god and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading if anybody is caught doing this and this he shall be stoned to death if that person is caught leprosy, da, 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 it shall be thrown out of the city. If somebody is raped, they explained all this to them and they gave the sense. Please, somebody say the sense. Mm. 
they gave the sense in when Moses was read. Compared to 2 Corinthians 3 that says that some other people of Israel, when Moses is read, a veil is over their eyes. These scribes and Levites read the law of God that Ezra brought forth to a people that were distressed, having just come back from captivity, building the, the, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And these guys gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Help them to what? Understand. I pray that Paul says in Ephesians 1, that the eyes of your understanding be what? Enlightened, that you may know, that you will have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weep. All the people wept. Are you seeing that? When they heard the words of the law. The people wept when they heard. Because I mean, you yourself, go and read the law. See if you will not weep. See if you won't weep. They heard the law. Thou shalt not, thou shalt. Thou shalt not, thou shalt. 200. Thou shalt not, thou shalt. 300. Thou shalt not, thou shalt. In the day, thou shalt, this, thou shalt, this. 400. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. 500. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. 600. Never do. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. 613. Thou shalt not plus the other 10 thou shalt and thou shalt not. 623. My brother, you wept. And they wept even though there were men inside them that were giving the sense in the law. And Nehemiah got up and he says, don't weep, this day is holy. He said, for all the people wept, verse 9, when they heard the words of the law. See verse 10. Then he said to them, Nehemiah says, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions for th to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day, and I prophesy to you even now, you hear the, 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 the prognosis around the world. You hear how many people are infected, how many people are dying, how many things are going wrong, and you are weeping because you hear something that is an authority. You hear WHO speak, you hear United Nations speak, you hear the Minister of Health speak. Go your way. Eat, drink the sweet, eat the fat. Send to those that have none. It's not a time to hide what you have. It's a time yes. to share what you have. Because plenty is yours. Yes. Plenty is yours. It's not a time to mise food. And a time to hoard resources. It's a time to share what you have. Why? For this day, in the midst of what you are hearing, there is sense in it. All you need to do is see it. All you need to do is be conscious of it. Be conscious of him. Be aware of and respond to so. So Nehemiah gets up in, in the midst of everything, the whole cacophony that is going on. And he says, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day, it's the holy day to our Lord. It's not a day to cry. It's not a day to mourn. Why? Then he says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Again, you are what you see, right? They heard the law and they wept. Oh, we are doomed. We are finished. But there was men that were positioned. That's why the men's names are important. Now you understand when you see names, don't jump over them in scripture. These men's names were important because they are highlighted because they were the ones making the sense of the law. And as they made sense of the law, Nehemiah understood that this whole law is good news. Because this whole law was about who? Christ. John chapter 5. Jesus tells them, he said, I don't, it's, it's okay that you don't believe me. It's because you didn't believe Moses. For if you believed Moses, no doubt you would have believed me. For Moses wrote of me. Every single law was written for who to fulfill? Christ. The law was designed in such a way that it would highlight your inability to keep it. I repeat, the law was designed in such a way that it would highlight, in fact, let me emphasize, that it would do nothing other than highlight your inability to keep it. But there's only one who's worthy to take the scroll. One who's worthy to break its seal. One who's able to fulfill it. 
and break the middle wall of partition. And out of two people, Paul says he makes one people. Out of Jew and Gentile, people who were under the law and people who were not under the law, he merges us. And Paul says he did that in his body. And all it takes is for you to be conscious of it. And once you're conscious of it, guess what? The Spirit of God comes at work in your life. And when he comes at work in your life, the fruit of the Spirit, Akuse Malika, are love, joy. So can you see joy as a natural response to a people who became Christ conscious? The moment the guys made sense of the law, made sense of Moses, ah, and then Nehemiah caught the revelation. He caught the revelation of the knowledge in the law. And as soon as he caught the revelation, he said, ah, no, 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 no. This is a good day. Tell yourself or your neighbor, this is a good day. As soon as he caught the revelation in the, in the midst of the pain, there was enemies surrounding. Can you imagine coming back from exile to a city that does not have walls? And to enemies that don't want you to prosper. What pandemic is worse than that? But they read the law. Let's seek the face of God. Ha, ah, woe is woe. Cost at cost. And, and, but there was people inside. Messiah and jo Jochebed and, and, and all the guys who were making, giving the sense. Giving the consciousness. And then somebody caught it and came up and said, Ah, I see what this is about. It's a holy day. All this is about the Lord. All this is about Jesus, our deliverer. Oh, can't you see what is written? Can't you see the trajectory of this? Can't you see that greater is the end of a matter than the beginning thereof? Yes, yes. Don't mourn. Stop crying. Stop crying. Get your act together. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Give to those for whom nothing is prepared. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that joy is embedded where? In the spirit of God. And that's not a function of what's happening around you. There's a river whose streams make glad, Paul David says, the city of God. And he says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not, she cannot be moved. He says, though the mountains be brought forth and cast into the sea, let the world be shaken. We are a Christ conscious people. So we think as such. We have his perceptions. Call us crazy. Join the queue. You're not the first. Call us stupid. Join the queue. You're not the first. Call us senseless. Oh no, sorry. We have seen the sense. We have seen the sense. So we cannot weep anymore. Yes, sir. We cannot mourn anymore. We cannot sorrow. Rip the world apart. Yes, sir. The remnant is guaranteed. Yes, sir. To see Christ is to know God. To know God is to see Christ. Our journey is a journey of Christ consciousness, people. Yes. It's not just a journey of head knowledge. It's not a journey of, uh, it's a journey of awareness and res response. That's what we are called to. That's Christ consciousness. When you're conscious of something, you know how you say, oh, I wasn't conscious. You don't, you don't remember waking up and going to the toilet? No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't conscious. I was subconscious or I was unconscious. You see, not everybody who's alive is conscious. Not everybody. In the same vein, unfortunately, not every son of God is conscious. See the prodigal son that was left at home in Luke 15? Not conscious of his sonship at yes, all. Yes, at yes, all. Yes. Was he a son? Yes. yes. Was everything that was his father's his? Yes. Did he know? No. Was he, was he less a son because he wasn't conscious? No. Still a perfect son. Still seen in the eyes of his father as a son. Full attendant rights and privileges that this boy could not appropriate. Mm. Because he wasn't conscious of his sonship. Wasn't conscious of his father. I've been here all along. I've been working for you. Can you imagine the father looking at him and saying, really? You've been working for me. So that I can, Working for me. All these years I've been working for you. So the boy thought he was going to please his way into what was already his mm. because he was unconscious. He didn't have the sense. He was unconscious. Even the younger brother that got sense and left and made nonsense of the sense came back into sense. The elder brother still had not received sense until the father said to him, everything I have is yours. Can you imagine working for years to earn a little goat? 
You have worked for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I know those days they lived very long. We don't know how long he lived. And walking that one day my father will wake up and count me worthy of a goat. Just like out there. So one day my father will wake up and say, oh, I have given enough offering now. This miracle I'm trusting God for. It's time yeah. to bring it all. I've served enough in church. Father, that baby now, you say, check it. You're not conscious. You're unconscious. You're unconscious. You're unconscious. You're unconscious. You are unconscious. You have the baby. You just do not know. Because you're not conscious of it, you can't birth it out in your reality. You can't see the sense in what is written. You have it. You have the supply. You don't know. You're not conscious. So you're running from pillar to post, church to church, prayer house to prayer house, prophet to prophet, papa to papa, oil to oil. And just like the prodigal son, and like these guys that were crying in Nehemiah 8, were crying. Because we are not conscious of what is already ours. Not everybody who is alive is conscious. Not every son of God will appropriate the fullness of what God has done in Christ if they cannot see Christ. And so people are showing you everything and everyone except what you ought to see. People are preaching to you everything except what you ought to know. Anybody that is preaching to you and is not opening your eyes to see Christ is cheating you. It's cheating you. We can do whatever it is we're going to give you. We can give you. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with humanitarian service. No, just, just how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power and he went about doing good and healing those who were oppressed for the Lord was with him. It's, it's, it's part of the thing. But our primary assignment as teachers of the New Testament is to enable that you see Christ, that we give you the sense. Because once you're conscious of him, you unlock everything. Once you are conscious of him, you unlock everything. Once you are conscious of him, you unlock everything. You cannot afford to not be Christ conscious. In this season, you can't. It's dangerous. You can't afford. You can't afford. You can't afford to not be Christ conscious. You have to stir up your Christ consciousness. You have to discipline yourself. It's, it's a discipline, guy. It's a discipline, sister. It's a discipline, sir. It's a discipline, mommy. It's a discipline. You dis this way, the same way you disciplined yourself into religion, we flogged it into you. You have not been flogged to do morning devotion before. Flogged. You have not, that water has not been poured on you in your bed before. So you can pray. So you grew up the way you grew up because you were disciplined into it. And most times believers now in the era of liberty then see, that's why Paul says, do not allow your liberty to give you occasion for the flesh. Because Christ's consciousness is a discipline. You have to get up and consciously start to discipline yourself. Consciously start to train your mind like Jesus. Consciously start to act like Jesus. Consciously start to forgive like Jesus. Consciously start to give like Jesus. Consciously start to serve like Jesus. Because it says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's why he told them as emphatically as he did in John 13, that except I wash your feet, you have no part in me. You want to come out to my market? You want me, when I'm waiting to be exalted and be given a name that's above every other name. You now want to come and tell me I should not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You now tell me I should not serve you because I'm rabbi. My friend, my friend, if, if I don't wash your feet right now, you're not going anywhere. Don't come out to my market. They have no part in me. Then, then Peter says, oh yeah, in that case, bath me. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. So when Paul says, let this mind allow, give, give space to, Permit this mind to be in you. That's what he's talking about. That's Christ consciousness. Relationships are saturated with Christ consciousness. You treat people with honor. You treat them with care. You make everyone special. And then you look at what life is throwing at you. And you're like, this is the best you can do. Try again. Because in all these things, you haven't thrown everything now. Please throw everything and complete my testimony. Who's hearing what I'm saying? Because it says, in all these things, you are, we are more than conquerors. Mm -hmm. So, you have not finished throwing it now. So, there's a level of conqueror sin that's, you know, there's a level of conqueror sin, you know, <laughs> you know, conqueror sinness that you are depriving me. Just throw it all already so I can beat my chest and say, in all these things. Mm -hmm. You want to crash the gen, crash it. You want to crash the car, crash it. <laughs> you want to crash the job, crash it. You want to crash the phone, crash it. Is that all you can do? 
in all these things. Paul said, I count everything, I discard everything for the excellency and the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, my Savior. Because once you see him, nothing else matters. He becomes your obsession. He becomes your obsession. He becomes you are enthralled with him. You are beguiled by him. Like a moth to a flame, you can't do without him. And because you're like that, you begin to act toward him. You begin to behave towards him. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.